1: Welcome everyone to a Baseball America College podcast along with Aaron Fitt. I'm John Manuel. This podcast is powered by Louisville Slugger. Leave your mark with a 2014 attack, raid, and assault bat lineup this season. Stronger, lighter, farther. Louisville Slugger. It's a Baseball America College podcast. uh, First of the in-season podcasts, Aaron. And uh, we were fortunate. uh, The weather cleared up enough for us to see some college baseball this weekend. Uh, A lot of snow last week here in the Carolinas in the Raleigh-Durham area, but not much snow down in Wilmington. And you were going to go to Wilmington anyway. Preseason number one Virginia, Kentucky, host UNC Wilmington, VMI, the field there. And it looked like a very competitive event. Um, Cavaliers lose their first game, win their next two, and remain number one in the, in the rankings. What did you see of the Cavaliers in person, and what uh, that prompted us to keep them in the top ranking? Well, I'll tell you, they, they came out... You know,
0: flat. They weren't. They weren't real good on Friday, and Kentucky kind of took it to them. I thought in all facets. Um, You know, Waddell looked pretty good out of the gate, first three innings, and then kind of hit hit a wall and the fourth or fifth. Command wasn't as sharp. Right. Um, And, uh, but you know, afterward, Brian O'Connor wasn't really worried about it. He said, "Okay, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see how this team responds." And he was just very relaxed about it. And they came out and played two great games the next two days. Uh, and that Saturday game against VMI, I thought, was a really complete, dominating performance. Um, you know, they played well defensively. They pitched very well. They certainly hit the ball. And that's what we expect them to do. And so, uh, and then, of course, they came out again Sunday and did pretty much the same thing. I mean, to me, the, the biggest encouraging things that I saw from them this weekend,
1: You first tweeted of all, about
0: this was the, the pitching, right? Starting pitching, you know, because that was, I, I'm not going to call that a question mark for us. I mean, about them heading into the season, we thought it would be good. But it's good to see it. You know, I mean, Nathan Kirby and Josh Spores are, are, are new to the rotation, and uh, they were both really good. I mean, Kirby uh, was so impressed with his ability to locate to both sides um, with his fastball and especially with his secondary stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a four-pitch guy. And then, you know, the pitch ability. Left-handed. left-handed yeah, I and mean, there's a lot to like there. And, and Jim Shoner was there on Sunday to see Spores and had, uh, you know, what was it six no-hit innings. I mean, he was really good also.
1: And Spores was, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, he was basically their number two reliever last year after Kyle Crockett. I mean, he was often, often Crockett was the one-man bridge. Yeah. But if they needed a bridge to Crockett, I was often Spores. I know I saw him throw very well in Chapel Hill last year. Uh, I think I saw him in the ACC tournament. Um, you know, obviously he's a big brother who threw real hard and was a high draft. But him moving into the rotation, that just wasn't a done deal that he would thrive in that situation. It's one start, yeah. but it was also a start in front of 3,800, a record crowd at UNC Wilmington, which that's a whole other story. How about 3,800 fans at a CAA park yeah. in February, hashtag baseball school. Yeah, how about That's that? pretty cool for UNC Wilmington, but uh, that, that, I thought that was a big development for them. We, Nathan Kirby was a high draft out of high school, projected high draft. They expected him to be a weekend guy. Spores, I think mean, that's almost a, a little bit bigger story just how good he was. I guess it's a pretty good lineup.
0: And, and you know, Connor Jones, the big-name big, big name freshman, got a look at him on uh, Saturday, Friday, Friday. Um, and, you know, <laughs> I mean, he was up to 95 um, wow. with, you know, sharp secondary stuff. I mean, he's, he's going to be really special. And, uh, um, you know, so they've got arms. And and the other thing that, that, that struck me about them that I didn't expect, well, not that I didn't expect, but that I was curious to see was, uh, Danny Pinero at shortstop. I mean, Brian O'Connor loves this guy. He thinks he's going to be a great player. And he is just a natural, instinctive, fluid defender. He's a, one of those really big shortstops. Um, you know, he's like a, like a Cal Ripken kind of a, 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 huh. a body size. Uh, and and, um, and he just is natural, and he's got a good internal clock. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, he moved He moved. preseason All-American Brandon Cogswell to second base. Um, and don't
1: forget, uh, what's the guy? John priest Who was like the all-star shortstop of the Northwoods League. Good player. I mean, like, they have just an embarrassment of riches at shortstop.
0: Yeah, they're, they're so deep. And, you know, behind the plate, they've got three legit catchers. Although, um, you know, Nate Irving didn't have a very good day Friday. He's, he's, he is good. He's better than he was Friday. Uh, but then, you know, they bring in uh, uh, Robbie Coleman on, on Saturday, and he was really good. And then they've got Matt Theis, another really good freshman. I mean, so those are two premium positions. That's how good this team is, John the two premium positions where it's hardest to to build depth, they're three deep at both those spots, although Leprice is really more of a second baseman right. But His I arm mean, strength isn't yeah. quite
1: what you need to be at short.
0: But I mean there's they're, they're so so good up the middle. And Brandon Downs made, you know, I mean at one point he almost made this ridiculous catch crashing into a wall in center field. he dropped the ball and he got up and just threw a rifle in the air right to third base. I mean it's just from the from the fence. Uh, it, they're just so they're so athletic. They're, they're fun to watch. They really are.
1: Yeah, the athleticism is what jumped out. Just talking to one of the scouts who had been down there this weekend, um, I, I guess it was on Sunday talking to him, and he'd seen the first couple of games. And he said, you know, it was like uh, I, he, he made it. He sounded like he was talking about the 2008 Miami Hurricanes team because he just talked about they were hard to scout because there's so many players you have to write up. You know, it's not just two or three guys that you can focus on like it is with most good college teams, there's nothing wrong with that. But there's like seven, eight, nine guys you're writing up for UVA, and that uh, that that's a problem scouts like to have. I think mean, that's a problem that Coach O'Connor likes to have, and Coach McMullen, and that you know they they just obviously, uh, you know, like you said, they came out flat. Let's talk about the team that beat them though, Aaron, real quick. What was your take on Kentucky? The Wildcats came into the year borderline top twenty-five team. Definitely were uh, one of the last teams that we debated. Uh, there were like fifteen teams for the last five spots in the preseason top twenty-five, and they were one of the teams that we uh, kind of debated through, and in recent years, the big knock on Kentucky is they don't play a great non-conference schedule. They kind of fatten up early, and they haven't withstood that in SEC play. Uh, obviously, one of the good ways to put that reputation behind you is to come out and beat number one soundly on the on opening day.
0: Yeah, and I think they're I think they could be a pretty good club, you know. And, and um, I think first of all, the rotation has a chance to be pretty darn good with AJ Reed, Chandler Shepard, and Kyle Cody. Those are three good arms. Um, and, you know, the bullpen is the, is the key for them. I mean, they, they Jim Jim was there on Sunday and said they ran out of a bunch of freshmen trying to kind of see what they've got there, um, but uh, that's the one question mark that I still have with them is the bullpen. I like their lineup. Um, you know, I, the guys at the top especially, you know, Barrett and and, uh, and Cousineau, a couple of lefties kind of get them going, and then you got Max Kuhn, the righty, in the middle of the lineup who swings the bat well. I think he's going to have a really nice year. I like him a lot, good swing. Uh, A.J. Reed. There's a presence in the middle.
1: How much does it help, you, in your mind, because it seemed like this was an issue for them last year of when to pitch A.J. Reed. When you have a talented two-way guy like yeah. that, there's always this debate. You throw that guy on Friday so you can just you, you get him, and then if he doesn't – if he, so you, you avoid having that player get hurt later in the weekend and you, or early in the weekend and you don't get to use him on Sunday. Or Haven't they debated that the last couple yeah. of years? It seems like last year they started him <laughs> on Fridays to start the year, and he just wasn't really an SEC Friday starter. If you could maybe – elaborate on that point a little bit. Like, what's the debate been for them, and where do you think he fits best for them?
0: Yeah, and, and I think they've had him, they've tried using him on Sundays, too, thinking that, well, at least he'll be fresh the first two days, you know, right. as, as a hitter, but there, there's various things. I mean, there's various schools of thought on it. Um, he likes, I asked him about it, and he likes pitching on, on Fridays Okay, um, just to kind of set the tone for the team. I mean, he's a competitive guy, and you know, now, I think it helps that Thomas Bernal is, is healthy and can can play a lot of first base and that way they can maybe DH-read a little bit more to keep him a little fresher, so I think that's kind of key. Um, but, you know, I think their lineup has some depth. I think they should be a good defensive team. I like those two freshmen hitting in the eight and nine holes. Javon Shelby, really live athlete, can really run. Um, I think he's going to be an exciting player. And then, and then Connor Hetty, too, down there, um, you know, he's, he's uh, just smooth. You know, a, a smooth second baseman that uh, I think can have be a shortstop. After is Matt he a Heady player? Going. I mean, his He's name He's is Heady. 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 He's Heady. He is.
1: That's, uh, that's, that's aptly named. Uh, there has to be some savvy that goes along with that. I would just, uh, One would presume. Um, but it sounds like a, f- a fun weekend in Wilmington. Of course, we came back uh, Sunday with 862 other scouts. Uh, we're not scouts, but 862 scouts approximately at NC State on Sunday. After all the hubbub about the scouting rules <laughs> at NC State, um, they – They just opened it up, and there are just a million scouts there on Sunday. And uh, I I guess the the best way to put it, Aaron, is that it was very similar to the Carlos Rodon we saw on opening day in 2013. Obviously, you weren't there for that one. We were there. A lot of us at VA were there. Uh, He was good, but he wasn't great. And uh, Canisius, how about the Griffs? Um, a, A lot of swag for a team from Buffalo in February. Yeah, they, that's a it's a good word for it. You know, they played with confidence. I'm stealing that from a scout, by the way. I didn't come up with that on my own. So, well, they
0: they played with confidence, and um, you know, they were in a regional right down the road here in Chapel Hill last year, and they played well there. They they gave North Carolina um, a run. They did. And uh, and they were confident, and and you know, they Ron Pierce um, did a great job hitting his spots. Kind of a low slot righty with some run and sink, and. Um, very sweepy slider sweepy slider and, and, a, and a change piece and you know he mixed them all up and kept them off balance he just didn't really give NC State a chance they didn't really threaten um, so
1: and no runner passed second base until the ninth inning
0: yeah so it was a pretty one-sided game and not that you know Kings just didn't I don't think they squared up for Don
1: right I, I agree. mean
0: maybe the first batter of the game um, it wasn't even that ball wasn't scorched. It was a double into the corner. It was probably the best contact that they had. Yeah, um, they scratched across three runs. They took advantage of some, you know, shaky defense a little bit. And Redon certainly, I think we could agree, his command wasn't very sharp.
1: Absolutely. But he had like a Logan Jernigan <laughs> inning there in the uh, fourth or fifth, whatever had, it was, where he batters. hit a couple batters, walked the guy to force in a run. It was an under run because there'd been an error earlier in the inning. But yeah, that was not a clean inning by any stretch of the imagination.
0: And, and, and Radon's velocity wasn't where it will be either. I mean, right. um, you know, it, it's funny because Jeff Hoffman came out of the shoot ninety four ninety seven. 97 yep. um, on Friday. But Radon, Radon was really mostly kind 90, of 90-92, touch a three, maybe a four or two. And right. That's it. I mean, it might have been be one or two 94s depending on what gun you look
1: at. It was very similar to what he did last year, which is in contrast to his freshman season when he came out in these short burst on three days rest and that's when he just burst down the scene with the 97s we kept on hearing yeah. in the first week of his college career. It was kind of interesting how uh, you know definitely the weather here has not been ideal but Jeff Hoffman is down the road. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like he and we had a you know scout talk about his how good he was how good Hoffman had been in a uh, scrimmage the week before. I was at Rodon scrimmage the week before. The velocity is very similar um, it's gonna be interesting to watch just how um, but like as Carlos tweeted after the game, uh short memory was his only tweet, so uh you know d- 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 he wasn't in his usual routine throwing on a Sunday, yeah, uh, a lot of a-, a lot of other factors in there and as a and one of the scouts I talked to yesterday was you know it's one you know one game look, you're not gonna bury a guy on It wasn't like he yeah. was bad, but he certainly he was not at his best, and it' was like Jeff Hoffman was about as good as he could really be it's verlanderish true. look on Friday was the way one scout put it to us. So uh, it's going to be fun to follow all year, Aaron. We're just very fortunate, as you wrote about, a great year to be in North Carolina from a draft perspective. And then the best look of all this week, it might have just been Trey Turner. Yeah. (laughs) He was really impressive yesterday. So we'll have more about that at BaseballAmerica.com. Aaron, go back to the rankings. We talked about this on Friday's um, Google Hangout. We don't want to get too much again into the agent part of it. But Oregon State, number two, sweeps this weekend despite all that uh, against Gonzaga, Nebraska, Pacific. How do they withstand, though, this uh, this change uh, for the Beavers minus Ben Wetzler? Uh, this, they're not a one-man team, certainly not a one-man pitching staff, um, but how do they go about weathering this as the season goes on with this uh, temporary, we hope, absence of Ben Wetzler?
0: Yeah, and there's been some reports out there um, that um – you know the NCAA wants to spend him for half the season, and Oregon State's trying to go for just 10%. Uh, people I've talked to say they don't know where that came from, so I don't know hmm. what what that what that is. But um, and
1: there'll be a lot more on this later this week, Aaron. Yeah. A- you can expect
0: yeah. word. I I from what I hear, you can expect word from the NCAA about how long he'll be sidelined this week. Okay. So that'll give us some clarity. But you know it's funny, them and, and Oregon are two teams now. That even let's say let's say what's there isn't even at Oregon State. Right. Hypothetically.
1: Say they pull a James Paxton, yeah, and he
0: doesn't pitch all year. Right. Um, if you're looking at that staff now with 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 Andrew Moore, uh, first team All American exactly. last year as yep. your Friday guy. Yeah. With Jace Fry, who's got real talent as your Saturday guy, left-hander that can really pitch and has a loose arm and coming off Tommy John, coming off correct. Tommy John, but now he's I mean, he pitched last year right. coming off Tommy John, so right. he's farther away now. Right. His stuff is going to jump up. He's going to be. I think a really good Saturday guy and then they moved Scott Schultz into that Sunday role closer so sixth last year
1: six year senior correct he's been there
0: forever <laughs> yeah. um, and he you know seven strong innings I mean he's good John I think, I've seen I think, him. He,
1: I think he stayed with Jacoby Ellsbury on his crew recruiting <laughs> trip I don't think he's that okay John, Mitch Cannon I'm sorry
0: he um, you know I've seen him before in relief up to 93 with sink and you know a good slider I mean he's good he's yeah. got good stuff so that's three legit guys and uh, they still have plenty of pieces in the bullpen they're deep like I you mean, said,
1: both Oregon teams, Oregon and Oregon State, both having to take these preseason blows. Right. The thing is with Wetzler, Oregon State was already planning exactly. to not have him. He was just single-digit draft. You don't yep. expect that guy to come back. Great bonus if he does, but they certainly do have the depth to, to withstand it.
0: So. Right. and in, in Oregon, you know, it's funny. When the Irvin thing happened, um, we said, well, we might have to revisit it. Maybe we'll, we'll move the Ducks down in the rankings in week one. Um, but, you know, they're they're perfectly fine on the mound, too, without Cole Irvin. I mean, it would be better if they had him because he's really good. I, I like that guy a lot. Um, but, you know, they went to Hawaii for four-game series, and, and they've still got plenty of arms to deal with a four-game series even without that guy, and, and he might be one of their best. Well, he is one of their best arms.
1: Is that the strange line of the week, though, as you put in the uh, top 25 tracker Matt Crook with seven wild pitches? Yeah. Only walked two guys, but seven wild pitches. Right, and
0: he only allowed, what, two runs uh, in yeah. seven innings? I mean, it is none earned. Unearned. So yeah, strange line, but Matt Crook, uh, you know, I had heard that he'd been throwing really well heading into the season. Um, no no concerns about his shoulder. Um, so I think that's a pretty encouraging debut, even though there was some, some wildness there.
1: And we're talking injuries and Pac-12, and I, we would be remiss if we didn't go right. Oregon's 11, UCLA right there at 12, Aaron. Jeez. And they just had a brutal first week of the season from an injury standpoint for the Bruins. Again, a deep team, defending national champions. They win their series this weekend, but pretty bad week for the Bruins. Losing Eric Felia and Kevin Kramer for the
0: year, first of all. I mean, so those two are best two of the two best hitters. Two best players, period. I mean, that, I mean that's that's a massive hole in their you're, you're, team. You're starting shortstop, and a guy that has been, you know, a three-year starter. Filia was their best hitter in Omaha last he year. He was absolutely. I mean, he was like their money RBI guy. I think it seemed he hit like. something like four sixty in, in in the postseason or in Omaha or something. I mean, he was he was the clutch guy. And uh, you're right. He was their money RBI guy, and so yes, I mean, <laughs> it's just it's really hard to see them, John. And I'm not going to bury him, right? But it's hard to see him getting back to where they were last year without those two guys. And then Kevin Williams is out at least a month. That's another senior piece that they were really counting athletic. on. Athletic, athletic guy who can um, skill it up. Yeah, and he can hit. Um, you know, so didn't really hit a whole lot last year, but right. he wasn't healthy either. Right. Um, So. Boy, I, you know, I texted John Savage about it on, on Friday night, and his the answer, part of baseball. <laughs> you know, they're not going to dwell on it. Not, what else can you say? He's not going to feel bad for himself. And they went out there and they won games on Saturday and Sunday, so we left them where they were in the rankings. But that's a team that, um, you know, they got Cal Poly coming in this weekend. Cal Poly looked great, I hear, against Kansas State. I mean, they swept them emphatically. Um I, I suspect Cal Poly will win that series, and then you could see a little adjustment in the rankings with UCLA. If if they hey if they hang in there, I mean you got to give UCLA this. They have arms.
1: Yes, they have arms. They're like and Oregon and Oregon State.
0: That's gonna that's gonna carry them. They um, have John Savage. They have the best closer in the country, and he went four innings in an extra inning game, uh, <laughs> and didn't allow anything because that's what David Berg does. Hashtag
1: submarine closers I mean, are awesome, <laughs> and he's the best of the breed. He is. He is. That's the crazy thing. There have been some really, really good submarine closers. I, I'll invoke the Derek DePriest and Coulter Beans of the Jack day. You're Jack even, you're Jack even... was low slop, but how about uh, J- Darren no O'Day, yeah, Connor sure. Falkenbach, yeah. one of my all-time favorite yep. names. But David Berg is the best. He's, He's the, the best. best of all those guys. He might have to just retire the submarine closer for this guy. He's even How about better. the guy who was the, the setup guy at uh, South Carolina in 2010? Yeah, John, John Taylor. 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 John Taylor was automatic. He was, automatic. Really good. He was really unbelievable. Good. David Berg is better than all those guys. Is he
0: better than Caleb
1: Gloffenheim? Well, <laughs> let's not go there. <laughs> Caleb Gloffenheim, all time. He's like in the Sipnark, Sip, Loopstock Hall of Fame for names. That's true what a great name! Great poll. I forgot all about that you guy. Love,
0: you love that guy.
1: I wrote a whole column about Caleb Gloffenheim. But David Berg is. So they do have David Berg. They have James Caprillion. They have Grant Watson. They have experience. They do have Cody Petit, who was who was uh, okay on Sunday, but not not
0: as good. But uh, oh, they don't have Hunter Vyrant, correct? Verant is Verant. out. I'm sorry. I guess he's out for the year.
1: Then they, but they, they, they do uh, offensively. There are fewer answers. There's less depth. Yes. Most college teams are going to have what 80-20 20 75-25 in their scholarships in sure. pitching versus hitting um there's just fewer you just you just have more scholarship arms than you have scholarship reserves basically for position players so it really i mean you, you noted that he hit third this weekend ty moore was a big time dude in high school didn't have a big freshman year but this guy is <laughs> this is the guy who's going to have to absolutely I, I hate to use the word step up but, and chris keck Right as a, as a you know now
0: they're they're starting third baseman a guy they've been waiting on and he hasn't had a whole lot of opportunity there've been guys in front of him but he's got he's got to step up to use that same yep. term uh, and they still have Pat Gallagher you know veteran guy and and, and Shane has got to have a better year all right. those guys need to elevate their games uh, it's not going to be easy but they do have enough pitching that I, I still think they're going to be a top twenty five team right it's not, a, year. it's not
1: it's not on Ty Moore but Ty Moore probably has more scholarship money than the the average position player there. Uh, if not, he was at the very least recruited with more fanfare than the average position player at UCLA. So, of whom more is given, more is expected. And, and that's uh, that's what the situation that the Bruins find themselves in. Um, it's a Baseball America podcast with John and Aaron. Aaron, the next place I thought I would go was Indiana. Oh, we could go somewhere else. Uh, but, you know, actually, you mentioned Cal Poly. Let's stay on the West real quick because you previewed Cal Poly in Kansas State. Yeah. I think you and I, you're going to Manhattan later this Season, Yes. To get a first-hand look at the Wildcats. I, I, I love the just the blue-collar grind program that K-State has become under Brad Hill. The heights that he has taken this formerly nondescript college baseball program. And preseason ranking in the top 25 after going to a Super Regional last year. And they go to Cal Poly. And not only do they get swept, but this is a lineup that I think we thought what was the their their fit matrix grade was pretty high. They they their
0: their offense grade was high and it's because they were an elite offense last year. They were right. the top ten team in the
1: nation and hitting <laughs> that, um, that's the word they were elite with yep. the bats last year. And Cal Poly just snuffed them out this yes. weekend. That was probably the most impressive weekend any team had was Cal Poly yes. visiting a, a borderline top twenty-five team versus a top twenty-five preseason ranked team and you expect the West Coast team to be ahead of the Midwest team Absolutely. early, but they weren't ahead by a little bit, they lacked them.
0: Yeah, and you know, I expected Matt Imhoff to be really good. I didn't necessarily expect fourteen strikeouts against a really good team that doesn't strike out that much. That's crazy. But the next Picture two guys to me, dream. Slater Lee and Casey Bloomquist to come out there and shove the way they did. Um, that's, that, to me, was the, that's the only reason Cal Poly wasn't in the preseason top 25 was I didn't trust the rotation after Imhoff. I mean, right. he lost Joey Wagman. Um, you know, there were these two unknowns that were sliding the rotation, and Larry Lee said it last week. He's like, we don't know what, you know, what we're going to get out of these guys. Right. And I
1: mean, you, this, this sounded in the, the lead-up to the weekend, it sounded like a, after Imhoff, a Johnny Holstaff weekend for both teams. You know, both coaches were talking about, like, hey, let's hope we get five. Yeah. You know, and, so. and, and obviously worked out much better than that for the Mustangs.
0: Yeah, so if, if Paula, you know, if, if they're number two and three guys can pitch like that all year long, I think they're really complete because I like the three main guys they have in the bullpen. I love their lineup, the capability of their lineup. I mean, it's one of those teams, uh, you know, even last year, I liked their talent so much that I always thought of them as a really offensive club. And and Larry Lee made the point that they actually underachieved on offense last year for most, most of the season. Mm-hmm. You look up and their stats weren't really that loud. Um, but this weekend, I think they performed offensively more like they're capable of. And you saw... You know, a guy like Jimmy Allen, who I've, I've always really liked, yep. um, as a senior, you know, he had a nice weekend and drove in some runs, and he's got to be in the middle of a lot of rallies for them. Nick Torres, I think, is a great player. That one of the one of the best players who didn't make our preseason All-America team for me. Mm. Um, you know, he was a, was he at a Roth star? I think he was one of the Roth stars. I thought he that I was. Um, you know, and he had a good weekend, and you know, Mundell drove in some runs. I mean, they've got some real physicality in the middle. Uh, I've, I've always liked Jordan Ellis in center field, just an athlete that uh, can do a lot of different things and you know has some strength also. Um, I mean, they're just – I think they're good. I think they're really good. And, and you know, you, you talked about Kentucky yep. um, being right outside the rankings in the preseason, Cal Poly. I mean, the teams for me, the next five after our top 25 Those two. Cal Poly, Wazoo. Kentucky, Arizona State. Florida Atlantic, and, and, yeah, maybe Wazoo. I mean, um, I'm probably forget, I am probably think I'm forgetting somebody else that was struggling in the mix. But those are the teams that I feel like we talked the most about. I
1: remember talking about Wazoo a lot because they were on that borderline for me. And it was just, uh, you know, they, they they came up with there were There were like three West Coast teams that were right on that cusp. Yeah. Arizona State, which lost its first game to Baylor but rallied to win the weekend series. Wazoo had to go on the road to Fullerton. Uh, not an easy way to open a season. They were uh, competitive, win a game, obviously, and and, you know they were lost the final by a run.
0: And they were in the lead in that game on Sunday for a while too. So that was a game they could have won, but um, you know their their pitching depth, I think, is not where um, you know it's not where Fullerton's pitching depth is. That's the bottom line. So it's it's hard to to win a Sunday game against a, a staff as deep as Fullerton's.
1: Aaron, do you imagine that a guy like Thomas Eshelman, who was so good last year as a freshman, I mean, he was so good. He reminds me so much of Wes Romer, mm. the former Fullerton All-American uh, Friday guy, command and control guy. How much do you think being left off the preseason All-America team motivates a guy like Thomas Esselman, or does he need that kind of motivation? I have to imagine Rick Vanderhoek printed that thing out and put it in his locker. Yeah, maybe. That's, I mean, that's the kind of thing Hookie would that's do, That's the kind it? of
0: thing Hookie would do. You're right. That's a good call. Uh, I mean, I'm sure he's on a lot of other preseason All-America teams, right. to be fair. But, um, you know, we all know how—, how great Thomas Eshelman is. I mean, and he, it's funny, he just did the same thing this weekend that he always does. He goes out there, what was it, eight strikeouts, no walks, of course. Unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, it's just, his, his career strikeout-walk ratio is one of the most ridiculous things ever.
1: That guy gets to Omaha, he's liable to pitch a no-hitter. Yeah. I mean, in, in that, that ballpark, park, Yeah. he's liable to pitch a no-hitter in that ballpark. Because, I mean... He carves up the zone, and he doesn't seem like he people ever square him up. That's it.
0: That's it. And it's just four pitches, any pitch in any, any count, and any location, and it's just it's tough.
1: Yeah, he just his consistency, every coach talks about consistency with young players, and we're talking about college baseball players, so they're all young players. His consistency is just so off the charts. You just, yeah. He never has – He's never going to have seven wild pitches in a game. No festa Matt Crook. <laughs> this guy's never going to have seven wild pitches in a career. He, I in, could be back there catching him. They wouldn't be wild pitches. Yeah, I mean, he's in that, that Aaron, well, Mola, maybe
0: Aaron Nola mold, and you can't compare a lot of guys to Aaron Nola. Right. But those two guys are in a league of their own as far as command in college baseball for me.
1: Well, you said Aaron Nola. That gives me a great opportunity to go to the SEC talk a little bit about the Southeastern Conference. First of all, it's cool to see some college baseball on MLB Network this weekend, uh, Urban Invitational in New Orleans. But I guess they relocated some of that... Uh, Oh, the, you know the, the way that. Uh, well, maybe not. I couldn't even recognize the ballpark on uh, on TV. Didn't they play some of that in Metairie? In, in, yeah, Metairie. Yeah. Metairie. Yeah. So that's why I saw the. Uh, I didn't recognize the ballpark because they were actual, you know, uh, ads <laughs> on yeah. the on the walls. Um, but you know, UNO's program kind of coming back. The return of Ron Mastry to Division One baseball is kind of interesting. Blake Dean being an assistant coach for New Orleans and his younger brothers playing at LSU. It's kind of fun to watch a little bit of that on TV, but. Uh, Anything stand out to you from the SEC this weekend? I mean, it wasn't really a, I guess the biggest statement series, if it was a statement, was Vanderbilt going to Long Beach State, sweeping three games. You know, Long Beach State's not quite back to what they once were, but still a good program and still a good good team. And Vanderbilt just kind of brushed them aside pitching-wise. Pretty thick marine layer. Not sure if you saw that picture of Brian (laughs) Miller. But yeah, I did. Was that marine layer, or was that just fog?
0: No, I think that's marine layer. I think that's, that's appropriate use of marine All layer. All right,
1: that was a pretty cool picture. If you, don't, uh, if you haven't seen the picture, go on the go on the Twitter machine and find uh, Vanderbilt Baseball. There was a great picture they tweeted out of Brad Miller, another sidearm submarine Brian type... Brian Miller. Jo- Brian Miller, thank you. Brad Miller is a Clemson shortstop. throwing uh, finishing a pitch, and the ball just coming right out of the marine layer. Tough to pick up, and you impossible know, to elevate.
0: A side, sidebar here, Johnny. Yes. I, I, I loved... And, and, and if Tyler Kincaid, if you're listening at San Diego, was taunting me about leaving that perfect weather on the West Coast, uh, and then, of course, he, he... Tyler
1: Kincaid, who I schooled in Words with Friends, by the way. Oh, wow, all right. Tyler, I'm going to talk a little Words with Friends smack on you here.
0: But anyway, he, he was taunting me, and then he, he came up back with a Mea Copa tweet and said, oh, we got a fog delay here in San Diego. and <laughs> I mean, that game wound up being suspended, so...
1: That's funny. How about that is that? I love that. Uh, a little, a little, a I got five
0: games out here in uh, North Carolina this weekend if you're listening.
1: In the snow, no <laughs> less. Um, but that that uh, the Vanderbilt pretty impressive yes. uh, South Carolina was impressive. Maybe it was Bucknell. Uh no Matthew Wilson pitching beautifully for Bucknell in this one.
0: Um They were they were overmatched, but South Carolina uh very uh, strong performance and how about Will Crow, another yeah. guy that... Uh,
1: Highly touted freshman. Yeah,
0: and, and another guy that left with a no-hitter intact. So there were like four of those this weekend, I think, at least.
1: Um, we're going to look back on the Tennessee high school baseball class of 2013. It's going to be fascinating to watch how those guys go. Kyle Serrano comes out of there. Dakota Hudson, who went to... Uh, Serrano won
0: his debut, by the way, this weekend. Wright, and Hudson, I think, pitched okay. Hudson
1: pitched very well, I believe. I, just, I saw tweets uh, from the Mississippi State writers that he was touched 98. Out of the bullpen for Mississippi State. Yeah, I heard
0: ninety five, ninety six. I believe ninety eight.
1: Yeah, and I be- I'm, I mean, the velocity. He's a big, raw bone, tall kid. Um, and then you got Will Crow. There's three kids uh, going to make their mark in the Southeastern Conference. Um, that that was an. Ex- I scouts knew it was a very exciting prep class in Tennessee last yeah. year. It's going to be fascinating to watch how those guys progress. And I heard Crow
0: stuff was filthy, too, this he's, week. I mean, he's a
1: bad mother. Oh,
0: yeah, he's really. Yeah, that guy's your Sunday guy behind those two lefties who can really pitch. I mean, they just, uh, what a great, uh, different look to give hitters, and it's just three really good good pitchers, and, and you know, I, and I like their offense, the way it, it performed this weekend. I mean, I think, some home runs. I think South
1: Carolina, I feel good about
0: that as the team to beat in the SEC right now.
1: I agree. Um, like you said, LSU, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt. I didn't get, really get to comment yeah. on that, but I mean, I was going there next. That's yeah, okay. yeah. Sorry, I was... that's okay. Keep going. Vanderbilt. You're the expert.
0: Vanderbilt. Um, you know, they can pitch, John.
1: They have such <laughs> they have ridiculous so many, depth.
0: They have so many arms. It's, it's crazy. embarrassing.
1: I mean, it's embarrassing to say. Like, again, I'm not trying to bang on the guy. TJ Pecoraro, who's like an upper eighties command and control guy, was he a fourth year junior? Yeah. He's had Tommy John. He came back. He was their Friday guy a couple of years ago. Yep. He just completely lost in this shuffle. I mean, it no must be. No relief. Yeah. I mean, it must be. And you know that if their are injuries or if someone falters, they probably trust this guy to go start a game for them if they need it. But, I mean, to they, 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 this is what uh, should have Followed from back to back number one recruiting classes. Yeah. Just you know they yeah. have this embarrassment of riches on the mound, and, uh, and Tyler Ferguson
0: is a guy that yeah. nobody really talked a whole lot about. I mean, we yeah. knew about him. I mean, I knew I knew how what he was capable of doing, uh, but he was out there, and I think I saw reports that he was like ninety three, ninety five. Yeah. yeah, and It's heavy, and, and he's got a really good curveball, and, and it's just that's your Sunday guy again. That's your I mean,
1: Sunday guy, and they have you know the, the scouting directors I talked to. tell the two guys just about the weekend in general on Sunday. Cause there were several directors, uh, uh, at least five or six directors, in Raleigh on Sunday. And uh, two of the guys that I talked to both said that the reports from the weekend, one of the most encouraging reports was how good Tyler Beatty looked. Tyler Beatty threw strikes. And the last look that a lot of these scouting directors had had, besides fall ball, but against other teams where it wasn't an intra-squad, was in a USA national team uniform last summer for Tyler Beatty, and he was a mess. That's the only time I've ever seen him in person. And he was a mess. His delivery was all over the place. He could not throw strikes. And uh, so it was very encouraging. I, I, I think his strong five innings, what well, yeah, he walked one, uh, that was one of the most encouraging developments from a scouting de- de- development, uh, from a draft standpoint, of the whole weekend, was yeah. how good Tyler Beattie looked. So obviously you're also very encouraged if you're Vanderbilt. But how much better can he be for Vanderbilt? What was he 14-1 last year? Right. Uh, gave up fewer <laughs> hits than walks. I mean, the guy was... Almost literally unhittable last year, so uh, embarrassment of riches there. Aaron, we actually have a couple of Twitter questions, at least I do. Um, One from uh, Jason Knipp. uh, In our rankings and analysis, how much weight do we put into Sunday games versus Friday and Saturday? Example, Kentucky's weekend. I would say that the weekend, all those games count more than midweek games. I mean, I think we just kind of take every game. I, I guess it's a matter of... Uh, you take the weekend in total, don't you? Try to take the weekend kind of in total, Aaron. What is the big picture yeah. of what a team did on a weekend? Yeah,
0: that's true, and and um, you know maybe occasionally, you know, like in Kentucky's case, I mean they, they played two great games and lost the Sunday game. I mean I I still think you're right. I think you look at the weekend as, as, as a whole. Um, I don't think we necessarily place more weight on on the Friday game than the Sunday game because if right. you got two great starters, you don't have a third starter, you're still flawed. Right. Um, you know I mean it, the Sunday games are important and. Yes, we, we've made no secret of the fact that we tend to wait weekend games more than midweek games. And midweek games count, too. But if but if you're in the postseason, um, you know, it's designed really to win three games in regionals and then three games in super regionals. And if you keep doing that pattern, I mean, you can win the national championship. Right. So, I mean, the, the four starter just isn't as important, uh, unless you fall into a loser's bracket, I suppose. But, I mean, it's it, nice to have a fourth starter. It's nice to win midweek games, but the weekend games are what matters.
1: Yep. Aaron, we actually have quite a few questions, which is really cool. So uh, for those of you listening, thanks a lot. I'm um, not going to be able to answer all of them, but a lot of, a lot of good questions on here, including uh, Brian, uh, well, at Choice Selection, Brian C., I can't pronounce his last name. How do these cold-weather teams continue to win? Coaching and state talent? Let's just take Canisius, for example, Aaron, as one example. Been there. I mean, first of all, I think that they just don't think of themselves that way. Right. I just remember uh, my template for this, recently anyway, is uh, from the bearded wonder himself, Kirk Casale, on that Vanderbilt 2011 team. But first of all, he's talking about that toughness mentality of Northern kids who are used to uh, <laughs> obstacles in their path for playing baseball but i think most of these teams just they carry that chip on their shoulder and, and again Kanisha's played with it this weekend.
0: Yeah, no, that's it and and you know they don't think of themselves as disadvantaged. Right. And they just you know they 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 got a lot of experience in that team and you know i think a lot of the northern teams that are successful um, early in the year, in particular, are the ones that have a lot of veterans, and that's not you know like
1: a, Clemson series against Eastern Michigan. Was it yeah. Eastern Michigan or yeah. Central Eastern, Michigan Eastern. that you were Eastern. Eastern Michigan that you had pretty high expectations for this team?
0: Well, Central Michigan is the one that I I'm like sorry. more. Okay, um, but Eastern Michigan is offensive, and you know they they expected to score a lot of runs this weekend, and they battled pretty hard and 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 did swing the bats pretty well down to Clemson. They won one of those games down there, but those
1: teams that still they don't go down there to, to cast a check, you know Binghamton came and played Duke in yeah. a tight series, won a game from Duke, correct? Yeah, I think so. Duke's a borderline regional team. Um, Binghamton's not here to cast a check. They've been to regionals, too. I mean, they, these teams just, you know, uh, and I think all these teams, Aaron, you can speak to this more than I could. How many, t- for these coaches or for those players, how big of a, how great of an example and a carrot was Stony Brook? And, and Kent huge. State, huge for those huge. programs, aren't they?
0: Oh, man. I mean, it changed everything. It really did. And, you know, I I love this story. A scout told me um, after the Stony Brook run, I think it was in the the fall, he went to a game, and there's kids out there with you know Jankowski taped on their backs, you know, out there. That story. I mean, it's just that that kind of stuff. It really captivated a lot of people up there, but it also gave all those, it did give all those schools hope. You know, I mean, it can be done as a four seed,
1: as a northern four seed. To go to freaking Alex Box, are you kidding me? (laughs) It's still like impossible to believe in retrospect. Yeah. I mean, it really is just you say it out loud. Stony Brook went to Alex Box. After they, after they went to Miami the week before. That's right. <laughs> I mean, they beat two programs that have 10 national championships between them. It's so insane. It is so insane. I would not believe it if I hadn't seen it uh, in person. Uh, that, that, that's just awesome. A um, couple other Twitter questions we have here. And again, uh, I'm at John Manuel BA, he's at Aaron Fit. Uh, for those of us not familiar with 2014 Long Beach, can you put Vandy's weekend into perspective? How good we expect? Where, where did Long Beach fall in our preseason? If we had done preseason rankings in the Big West, uh, where did they fall?
0: Uh, to me, they'd probably be in that somewhere in that kind of four to five or six range. Um, you know, I, I think the top three teams for me pretty clearly Fullerton, Poly, and then probably Santa Barbara. Right. Uh, and then I think you're talking about Long Beach in the mix there with. Uh, maybe a Irvine and a Riverside. I mean, right. to me, those three teams are the next tier. Um, and those, you know, I could see any of those six teams competing for a regional. Um, I feel best about those top three. But I think Long Beach should be, you know, again, they've got they've got a lot of older guys now, in the lineup especially. And, and on the mound, they're healthier. Um, you know, they've had some injury issues in the past. I mean, um, there's not a lot of elite top-end talent there like like Long Beach had back in the salad days. Right, it's... Um, a-
1: it's it's too much to expect anyone to come up with Tulowitzki and Longoria at the same time, which is really just crazy. Um, or you know, and, and Jared Weaver in that same mix, and the line of big leaguers out of Long Beach State there was uh, pretty epic for a while.
0: Yeah, but you know, I mean, they started Nick Sabo on Friday, and that's a that's a lefty that I've always kind of been intrigued by. I mean, again, it's not a huge velocity, but it's got angle and pitchability, and actually pretty decent stuff. Um, and he, you know, he pitched okay on Friday. I mean, they, they've got some, they've got some depth on the mound, um, and you know, again, veterans like Eno Patrone and Michael Hill, Richard Piguitano, uh Eric, you know, Eric Cutting and Baca- Johnny Bacacus out there, and they've got a lot of older players. So I those mean, that,
1: guys are all. I know all those guys. They've been there a while. They've been
0: there a while. So, uh, and then Garrett Hampson, the dynamic freshman shortstop, who's an exciting player for them. Um, I think, uh, I think Long Beach should be decent, uh, I think that's a, that's a nice test to open the season for Vanderbilt. I and mean, again, it's not. Uh, an elite opponent. But it's it's a nice weekend.
1: I'm also going to go to at Dylan Carlos. He asks, where can you download and what do you think of Tulane's fr- Friday starter, JP France? First off, where do you download Baseball America? Just search Baseball America on iTunes in the podcast department. Uh, you can also find the Baseball America podcast on our website. It's harder than it used to be for whatever reason. Uh, <laughs> you go to the BaseballAmerica.com. We'll have it in the rotator today. It, it will be in the rotator. We're, we're, we've learned that. But if you scroll down uh, basically a screen... Where there's the viewpoint or there's a line of uh mugshots, JJ Cooper, Tracy reglesby myself, one of the there's a logo right next to it that says podcast. That's where you find the Baseball American podcast. And JP France, Aaron, uh, you know, uh, first Friday starter or opening day starter apparently for Rick Jones that he first time he ever started a freshman on an opening day, JP France was a BA five hundred member and he had a great debut. Yeah, he
0: did, and, and you know he's it, it's, it's a power arm. I mean, it's a guy that I think is going to be a real impact guy for
1: them. I mean, a, a low 90s arm with a, yep. with a good slider. I mean, he's... And a uh, strong build, like some now mm-hmm. strength in his body was the thing that scouts... Or the, the debate for him out of high school was how much projection is there on this guy. Because He had his kind of his man strength uh, to an extent already, kind of like a Keegan Thompson type at, yeah. All at Auburn. Yeah, another similar. guy who had a really nice debut, by the way. Preseason freshman of the year for me, nationally. Right. I like Keegan Thompson. Or did that's you right. pick him? I, I had Chris
0: Oakey. Did, right. did you I go? Thought I thought I went Keegan Thompson. I went Keegan for SEC freshman of the year.
1: Maybe that's what I uh, maybe I don't know. I remember I was uh, I was all over. I, I know I was I'm, I'm, I'm bullish on Keegan Thompson for the Auburn Tigers, indeed. So, um,
0: but France, yeah, for me, he's in that mold, he's a physically mature, uh. Pretty advanced freshman uh, and a competitor and, and a guy that a uh, you know he, he's going to be probably a legit Friday starter for three years there.
1: Well, Jeff in DC, we've asked and answered on that question. Will you guys stand behind UVA or jump ship after the first weekend? Well, uh, I guess Cavaliers, they're not Commodores. That would, be, that would be the jumping ship. Jeff, Jeff in DC is, is a frequent uh, um, Cavalier fan.
0: He, no, he's he's a he's a Twitter combatant. He's he's a, he's an anti-ACC. Uh,
1: ah, okay. <laughs> Do you still believe they have the best team? Yes. Um, and then uh, Jason Nipp, uh in our ranking. We, we answered that question. And at Matt Lozar. I just want to make sure everyone who uh, tweeted at us, uh, we mentioned this. Thoughts on the Canisius-NC State game? I think we talked a lot about that. But Steve G. Gherkin did ask, thoughts on Wayne Graham about to get his 1,000th win? What is his legacy? Um, you know, I don't think he was in the position of uh, having to defend a legacy a la Peyton Manning. But Wayne Graham's legacy, Aaron, first and foremost... I mean, he just defines college baseball in Texas to be for the last 30 years. Both first at San Jack, national championship coach, coach Roger Clemens, coach Dandy Pettit, and then making Rice relevant, I mean, made Rice from nothing unto being uh probably the most consistent program over the last uh, during his tenure. They basically won the conference championship every year that he's yeah. been there. It's yep. unbelievable to be that consistent. And he made Rice relevant in baseball win a national championship, um, a team that will always be special to me. The last time I covered Omaha start to finish was Rice 3 And, uh, you know, it was one of the, I, I think he gets bashed a lot in the interwebs these days because of the track record of their pitchers in pro ball. And there's some substance to that, but I don't think it's all on Wayne Graham. And, uh, to me, he's just one of my all-time favorite people in college baseball and one of college baseball's all-time great coaches. Yes, I mean, he, he summed it up
0: pretty, pretty perfectly. I mean, he's one of those guys that, anytime you get a chance to see him, um,
1: I'm kicking myself still from not getting out to their super regional last year. The draft and the super regionals being at the same time, I didn't get out to Raleigh last year for that super regional. I'm just kicking myself that I missed Wayne there. Every, uh, I every really time,
0: am. every time you see him, it's a treat because you know, before the game, you're walking on the field, he's sitting on the on the top, you know, uh, back of the dugout and. He sees you, goes, "Oh, hey!" and he invites you to come down and take a seat, and you know, just wants to talk baseball and yeah, tell exactly. stories, and it's just, just such a great baseball man. And
1: his passion for his players and for the game remains undiminished. You know, I yeah. mean, it's just hard to, uh, you just don't make them like that anymore. You know, so I, I love talking to him back in the day about throwing BP to the Astros back in the day, uh, doing those kind of things. But to me, he just, you know, he was also all, all about Houston. He had great passion for that area and for he wanted to see the city of Houston be a baseball city. Yeah, And, um, you know, the Astros' success was important to him. Right. Rice's success, University of Houston's success, high school teams in that area, Carl Crawford being good in the big leagues, all those things, any Houston player you could think of, uh, that was important to him. So I always respected Wayne as a big-picture guy. Yeah, And just think about the fact that if you play for Wayne Graham – at Rice, you played for a guy who played for Casey freaking Stengel in the big leagues who was Babe Ruth's <laughs> teammate. You talk about the degrees of separation here and what the game, what baseball has. Wayne Graham is this link to this other time in baseball that is very unique and very special, and uh I love Wayne. And, you know, you talk about how he's a, he's a
0: great big-picture guy. Um, I think a great example of that is is how he's been – he was really leading – the Crusade here to change the ball. Yeah. Because um, even though he's a pitching guy and he's you know his style is pitching and defense, and he you know he was not somebody who could ever hit the the long ball in his playing days. Right. Home run never did anything for Wayne Graham. <laughs> but um, he thinks it's important for the game that we not lose the home run and the excitement that it brings, and he, we don't want to go back to the dead ball era. I think it's awesome you brought this up. And, and so you know I, that was selfless. For me, I mean, I don't think that was, I don't think that was that was one of those things that he was doing because he thought would give him any kind of competitive advantage. I think he is genuinely concerned about the direction the game was heading, and he spoke out about it.
1: Talk about legacy, I mean that's that's how he wants to be remembered. Yeah, uh, that he did, he gave back to college baseball that gave him so much. So, I don't think we can top that, Aaron. A little, yeah. a little uh, Wayne Graham stuff. So, great questions. Um, hit us up every week. You can email at podcast at baseballamerica.com, but frankly, Twitter is the better way to do it. He's at Aaron Fit. I'm at John Manuel BA. This is the Baseball America College Podcast brought to you by Louisville Slugger. We'll be back next Monday and every Monday during the season to talk college baseball with you here at baseballamerica.com. For Aaron, I'm John. We'll see you next week. So long, everybody.